0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg the podcast
1: back and better than ever Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance Ryan Clark Buster Olney back-to-back in just a couple of minutes here on the shell Pennzoil performance line RC as we look ahead to what should be hopefully a terrific weekend of football and then Buster on some really interesting news out of baseball I I want to ask Buster I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it But with Alex Cora being hired again as the manager of the Boston Red Sox, Cora, one year out of the sport, gets another job. A.J. Hinch, one year out of the sport, gets another job. I just wonder what Buster is hearing from people around the sport, both inside and outside, fans, what they think of the idea that these guys who are managers, who were very clearly implicated in a significant cheating scandal in the sport, what everyone thinks of the fact that they just walk right back into jobs, after serving a a one-year suspension again it's much more penalty than the players ever wound up serving Um, but it is it is also uh, this is maybe to whom much is given much is expected so I, I look forward to talking to Buster about that but I want to start of course with the football and my man Hembo with a fascinating tweet Aaron Rodgers won the MVP award on two different occasions in his career 2011 and 2014 in those seasons His numbers, Hembo lists basically the numbers that he had through eight games in each of those years and then the numbers he has through eight games this year. And I'm not going to read them all because that's a lot of numbers. But at the end of the day, I'll cut to the chase. His numbers this year are markedly better, markedly better than they were in either of his two MVP seasons. He is right now 24 touchdowns and two picks with a QBR of 87.0 which is playing the position about as well as it ever gets played. So let me bring in my friend Ryan Clark on that subject, who knows what it's like to go up against Aaron Rodgers when Rodgers is at his best, went up against him in the Super Bowl, in fact. And so, RC, when you watch him play now, how um, would you compare the Aaron Rodgers we're seeing right now to the Aaron Rodgers you faced at a time when he was probably playing as well as anyone has ever played the position?
0: No, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not even going to, going, to, going to play beat around the bush and make 2020 seem like uh, we're in the upside down. The Aaron Rodgers I played was better. Uh, that Aaron Rodgers was younger. Uh, his arm, if you could believe it, was more lively. But he's extremely close. But I also think that this Aaron Rodgers understands the game more, understands the places to put the ball in. And I, and I spoke this morning on Get Up. I said I think this is the best. Aaron Rodgers we've seen since 2016. 2016, Aaron Rodgers finished with 40 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And I think that's the type of of play that we're seeing right now. You know, the the athleticism down a little bit, the creativity is down a little bit, but the efficiency, the accuracy, the velocity, all of those things are still there. But what we're noticing more than anything is he understands where his matchups are. You know, you take away probably – the two interceptions against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when I feel like Devontae Adams wasn't necessarily right. He wasn't fully healthy. You know, he's made the right decisions with the football all season. And last night he made some throws and I say it all the time, only two people on earth right now. We've seen make certain throws like that. You know, obviously Russell Wilson is creeping into that conversation, but it's Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and you know, people are going to point to the Tampa Bay game and say, what about that? And maybe even point to the second half of the Minnesota Vikings and ask where the offense was. But what we saw last night, at least from a physical standpoint, was some of the best Aaron Rodgers football play we've seen in the last, you know, half decade.
1: You know, you just make me think, because I love it when you guys talk about the, the games. You know, sometimes now you've gotten to be so well known as a as a personality on ESPN that every now and again, you know, we will show video of your play and people are like, oh, my God, that's right. (laughs) You know, Ryan Clark he he used to just knock people's heads off for a living. How would you describe what it was like playing against Aaron Rodgers when he was at his absolute – was he the best quarterback you ever played against?
0: He's he's the best I ever played. And, now, obviously, I played Tom Moore, and Tom had this great understanding of of who we we were and and, and who, who we are as a defense at the time. So Tom would know where to go with the ball right away. He could understand the blitz. Man, we were in perfect position against Aaron Greeny. And I think the thing, one, people don't remember that I played, but people don't remember how good of a defense I played with. I, was, I played with two defensive players of the year in James Harrison and Troy Palamalu. I played with a guy, Ike Taylor, who started at the corner spot for 11 years in this league. We had great players. And we played Aaron Rodgers two times, and he killed us both times. He may have been better the year before in a great matchup between, um, between us and the Green Bay Packers than he was when we played him in the Super Bowl. And, you know, we didn't have shootout. It was if we scored enough points, we were blowing you out. But we needed our offense. Going into a game against Aaron Rodgers, you needed your offense. And I'm going to tell you how good Aaron Rodgers is for people who really want to know about the psyche of a football team. We are getting ready to play the Jets in the AFC Championship. We just beat Mm -hmm. the Baltimore Ravens. The Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers are playing before us. We hardly ever watch the TV. The TV's actually on in the locker room, and we are rooting for the (laughs) Chicago Bears because what we knew was if you gave us Jake Cutler, we were going to blow him out. But if Aaron Rodgers came to town, you had an actual issue. And when we were watching him, we were like, holy cow, the Bears are going to let these people go to Chicago and win this game, and we got to see that dude next week. And listen, we weren't scared. We just knew what the better option was. And we got Aaron Rodgers, and we paid for it because we were in great position all night, and he was just better than we were.
1: Mike Greenberg, uh, Greeny and RC is with us here. It's such a good story. And then, of course, you went out and beat the Jets later, which has ruined the rest of my day and week and year. Uh, RC with me on the Shell Penzo Performance Line Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. Oh, you got me distracted because the story is so good. Okay, here's the nice <laughs> thing. The nice thing about doing this show now is that the stuff I want to get into on TV sometimes in the morning, and you know, as RC is such a huge part of what we're doing now, Now we're moving fast and we're going from thing to thing. So sometimes I will see notes that you have with our producers that I just don't have time to get into. But I really want to do that here. I want to talk about Mike Tomlin. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are seven and zero. They're the only unbeaten team in the league, and we can talk about just how good they are and just how good Roethlisberger is and all of that. But if there's one thing that I think has never, be- I want you to make the point because it was in your notes that the specter of what the Patriots have done has made us view a lot of other people differently than we otherwise yeah. might have. Pick up on that thought and how it applies to Mike Tomlin, because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah,
0: and so, and so every time, like I, I see it with fans, I see it with the media, when they talk about Mike Tomlin, I think it's compared to New England. It's, it's the part of never beating New England in the playoffs or getting past them. And so I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but especially Mike Tomlin, is viewed through this prism of New England success, success right? Because they went to nine Super Bowls. They won six of them. Nobody else was doing that, and so if you're going to hold it against Mike Tomlin that he wasn't consistently beating the New England Patriots, what about the rest of the world? What about the rest of the league? But can you talk about the fact that in 13 years, he's never had a losing season, Greeny, and that's with Antonio Brown leaving, Le'Veon Bell leaving. That's playing last year with Duck Hodges, a Duck called champion, as your quarterback, and you still go 8-8, and then now this year, you're undefeated, and No matter how you look at it, this is a man that's been to two two, two Super Bowls. He's won one. He's never had a losing season in 13 years. But people are like, well, he still isn't Bill Belichick. Or why didn't they win more with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? Instead of looking at it and saying, you know what? When we see who Antonio Brown is, when we see what's happened to Le'Veon Bell since he left Pittsburgh, shouldn't it be a credit that he was able to keep that under wraps or that he was able to control that? And those guys became respectively, you know, probably at least arguably the best at their position. And so I think that when people start to talk about who Coach Tomlin is, I think it's really skewed because of the championships in New England because we never had this conversation about Andy Reid. What was it always in Andy Reid? Oh, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Oh, he's, he's one of the best coaches to ever live. He just has to get his Super Bowl. Well, Mike Tomlin already has his. And Mike Tomlin has already been to another one. And Mike Tomlin has went through a cycle of having a great team that was in a Super Bowl window and winning those things and now putting his team back in that place with never really falling off in the middle and becoming irrelevant. And I think that's just an amazing thing that we don't actually give any time to. We don't give any thought to. But Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach with a Hall of Fame resume, it just so happens he's in the era with the greatest coach and the greatest organization or dynasty of all time.
1: It's really well said. And look, if you're going to compare everyone to Belichick, then of course, and and it's, it's an impossible comparison, but you can be very rich without having as much money as Bill Gates. And you can be a great coach without necessarily having accomplished what Belichick has. Oh, by the way, Tomlin could, is young enough to still be closer to the beginning of his career than the end if he chooses to keep going that way and he's in the right organization to keep doing it so i thought that was really interesting one more thing for you rc before i let you go um your son is finally got a chance to play again this weekend for those who don't know ryan's son plays at arizona state and they play uh usc tomorrow and that is a game that will kick off at 9 a.m local time and i just wonder you were a player i know he's excited to play but tell me what it would be like to try and be ready. Like what time will someone wake up in the morning to be ready to actually kick a football game off at nine o'clock in the morning?
0: I mean, you have to wake up no later than five o'clock, Greeny, because you got to think you have to go down. I'm not sure if they'll do a walkthrough now on Saturday, but you have to have pregame meal. You have to load up the buses and you have to get to the stadium. And now, especially with COVID protocols and, you know, the COVID situation, they don't know if the locker rooms are big enough where they can have guys distance enough where they're comfortable. So some guys may have to be outside and they may have to get a tent. And so this is going to be a big to-do. But what's, what's so crazy is uh, uh, I got to talk to him and talk to some of his roommates and they were just saying, man, I don't care. I'd play the game at 6 a.m. just to play football. And I think that's the, the one thing we have to start doing during these times is accepting the small win. This is a a very small win for these kids that they get to play. And nobody's in the stadium. I can't go. They have to play at 9 o'clock. But in a year of so much uncertainty, they're going to play on national TV against one of the storied universities and programs in the country. And I think that's what they're paying attention to more so. But – Thank God they have a coach that wakes up at 2 a.m. to work out (laughs) anyway, so they practice in the morning already,
1: Greeny. (laughs) It's 100% true. For anyone who thinks he's kidding, he's not kidding. When Herman Edwards would (laughs) host Mike and Mike with me, right, we would get there about 5.15 to do Mike and Mike, he will have gotten up, been to the gym, gone back to his hotel, showered, and then come in. I, I, I couldn't believe it routinely. He's in the gym at 3.30 in the morning because he had to be at work at 5 o'clock. That's Herman for you. So I'll be watching them tomorrow, and I'll be rooting for him, and RC, you're the best. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you.
0: Thank you, my man. Have a great day.
1: Now, that's Ryan Clark again, his son getting set to play tomorrow, which is really exciting. A lot of those kids in the Pac-12, I think they thought this was a year they're not going to get to play, and now they do. Same as the kids in the Big Ten, who for a long time I think thought they weren't going to get a chance to play, and now for the most part they are. Let's hope that it works out. 9 o'clock in the morning for those guys. It's a noon kickoff, Eastern time. Greeting with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at Progressive Commercial. All right, it is obviously a huge football weekend and we'll be on football pretty much the entire show today But I did want to bring Buster in for just a minute Robert Stanberry only the third Our baseball buddy is on the shell Pennzoil performance line with the news today that the Red Sox have rehired I suppose that's the only way to put it Alex Cora as their manager Which means that Cora who was embroiled in the cheating scandal and A.J. Hinch who was embroiled in the cheating scandal have now both found managerial jobs after their one-year suspensions. And and so, Buster, thank you, as always. And I just wonder, have you been hearing a lot of um, complaint? Have you been hearing a lot of people who think that it is not reasonable that those guys, based upon the positions that they held at the time of the scandal, that they would just be able to get right back into the sport once their suspensions were over? It's an interesting question.
2: Uh, A, I hear, continue to hear lingering anger over the the sign-stealing scandal with the Astros in 2017. And at the same time, I think there was an absolute assumption within the industry that both A.J. and Alex would be quickly hired as managers once they served their suspension because they're the two of the best managers in baseball. Uh, and that, uh, you know, as we've seen so many situations in the past in baseball, if you can perform... <laughs> and you're eligible someone's going to take a shot at you
1: oh yes absolutely and and that's not unique to baseball let's be clear that is true in all sports we've seen a lot of well i suppose we've, we. I, I would say we've seen a lot of holding our nose and making these decisions but usually buster those are with players usually if a player is that good i'll put up with a lot for a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs i'll put up with a lot for a guy who's you know, going to steal 60, whatever the, the, the thing is. I'll put up with a, a lot from a guy who's going to run for 2,000 yards. But it's a little different with a coach and a manager. How, how is that being received?
2: Uh, generally speaking, I just think that people uh, felt that it was inevitable that these guys would get back. And, I mean, right from the get-go, um, while uh, what the Astros did in 2017 was making other people mad, I don't think anybody thought that the, they would be held out of the sport indefinitely. Um, and, I, in fact, I, you know, there was an assumption along, among a lot of uh, rival officials that Alex for sure would go back to the Red Sox. And when you really think about it, Greeny, I, I mean, the Red Sox would have been crazy not to rehire him because if uh, Heimblum, who who's going to be in his second year next year of baseball operations, had chosen a first-year manager like a Sam Fold and the Red Sox had struggled next year and Alex Corr was on the sidelines, you talk about, especially in a big market like Boston, an intense market, you talk about setting yourself up for criticism. That's why politically they almost had to hire him, given how respected he was in the city, given how much the players like him.
1: It, it's such a fascinating time because you have three managerial hirings going into the next season that will be closely scrutinized. A.J. Hinch in Detroit and now Cora back with Boston. And of course, the stunning hiring of Tony La Russa in Chicago. That, that got a lot of attention locally and it got a, a ton of attention nationally for about 15 minutes. And then as we tend to do, we move on to new things quickly, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you. What, what has been the reaction you've heard to that?
2: That people around the sport were absolutely shocked because you've seen the trend in the sport um, in recent years, uh, general managers want managers to be closer in age to players because they feel like that, that helps them to relate to players Helps them present analytics to players, which is why you know guys like Aaron Boone and Craig Council of the Brewers and Alex Cora, um, those have been more typical selections. Um, and so when when Tony La Russa, at age seventy six, hasn't managed in nine years, was hired, people of other teams are scratching their heads. Now you and I are in a unique position where we know Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the White Sox. There is no more loyal employer than Jerry. And the fact is, is that uh, his decision to let Tony La Russa be fired in the 1980s, has always gnawed at him and he's giving him another chance. I don't think any other organization would have hired Tony at that age, given the trends in the sport.
1: Yeah. Reinsdorf is the guy who retired Harold Baines's number. And now he brings back um, Tony La Russa to manage on the South side, a team that I think has a lot of potential. All right, Buster, thanks for jumping in here. Have a great weekend and, and I will see you soon.
2: Thanks, Granny. Talk
1: to you. Uh, That's Buster Olney. I just wanted to get a quick moment on that. I I just find it interesting because this is something that goes above and beyond what you think of um, that particular hire, whether that's a good fit. Cora, obviously, as Buster just explained, is a good fit. He won a World Series in Boston two years ago. And so it's obviously a good fit. But just the idea of here's a manager. He was smack dab in the middle of a cheating scandal. You have the option. You're making the choice to bring him back. That has to be explained. You have to say, I knew that. He has paid his punishment, which he most certainly did. He paid a significant price. He was, lost his job initially and then was thrown out of the sport for a year. So I'm not sitting here in criticism of it whatsoever. I just wondered if he was hearing a lot of criticism from around the world. And if you have a thought on it, I'd love to hear from you. You can always tweet at me. Just use the hashtag #Greenie, hashtag Greeny with a Y, and I will see them, I will read them, and I will get a sense of what you think. Church's new chicken sandwich is finally here with almost 70 years in the kitchen. You can bet we put the work in to make it worth it. It's everything you love about churches between two buns. Get it today, just $3.99. Thank you for waiting. Churches bring in that down home flavor. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know.
3: All
1: right, so there's something I just want you to know. And um, I, I wanted to do a little personal story today because, again, it's been a long week. And I think a lot of us sort of could use a little smile on our face. I don't know just how funny you'll find this, but I found it funny. And if you're a parent, I think you'll get it. Because there were little moments when you think to yourself, and look, I'm very honest about my children. I, I love them both more than life itself. They're by no means perfect. But every now and again, you have one of those little moments where you're like, boy, that is the greatest kid in the world. I'll just tell you the story. So yesterday, there was a package outside the house. Uh, And if you were married to my wife, you'd know a package being outside the house is not a unique occurrence. We are like a shipping department. But anyway, this one was not addressed to my wife as they usually are. This one was addressed to Dr. Nicole Greenberg. Nicole Greenberg is my daughter. She was known on this show at one time as Baby Nikki. She is by no means a doctor. She is a 19-year-old. or she's now 20. She's a 20-year-old sophomore in college. (laughs) She's not a doctor of anything. So I called her and I said, this package came to the house and it is addressed to Dr. Nicole Greenberg. And she said, yes, that's for me. And I said, so you mean when you fill out something to order it on Amazon and I don't even know exactly what all the options are, Mr., Ms., Ms., Miss. I don't know what all of the options are. You check doctor? And she said, yeah. And I said, why? And she said, why not? And I thought to myself, I think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't know why. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, Greeny, that's really not that interesting. It's why I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it. But in my own mind, I just thought, that's the greatest thing ever. I don't know why, but I just think it's the greatest thing ever. Why not? If you can check doctor, why not? So Amazon just gave her a PhD. <laughs> That's, it's pretty much as simple as that. She is not pre-med. She is never going to be a doctor. She is as squeamish about blood as any human being you've ever come across in your entire life. There is literally zero chance that she will ever be a medical doctor. I suppose she could eventually be a doctor of something. And as far as um, Amazon is concerned, she is now. I just liked that story and I wanted to share it. The KOD picks are coming up next.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Half past the hour, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. KOD picks coming up in just a minute. But first, I told you, you can always tweet at me. Just use the hashtag Greeny, hashtag Greeny with a Y, and I'll see them. And after the conversation I just had with Buster Olney, it's interesting that I didn't even think of this. Um, But after the conversation I just had with Buster about the Red Sox bringing back Alex Cora and the Tigers hiring A.J. Hinch and the idea that these managers who were embroiled in cheating scandals, that after serving their punishment, they came right back. If if you're just joining me, I I just wanted to get Buster's quick take on how people around baseball were reacting to that. And generally, I, I didn't hear a lot of tumult. I did not hear a lot of people who were outraged by it. And I'm not sitting here telling you they should. And shame on me for not even putting these thoughts together, but I saw a bunch of tweets about this, and the first came from Joe Hernandez, who tweeted at me, Greeny, with Hinge and Cora, both confirmed cheaters, getting hired again, don't you think it's time to reinstate Pete Rose? And I didn't even think of Rose. Now, I can tell you that I have been doing talk shows long enough that I used to make a joke. I used to say on a slow news day, I would just say, throw open the phones. Should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? And that was it. Then you could just sit back and let... The listeners do all your work for you. I don't know that that's still the case anymore. I think for the most part, people have moved on. And there's too many generations of fans now that didn't watch Pete Rose play. And you really had to watch him play to understand why people love him so much. Because he's done so many terrible things. He has has done absolutely nothing to earn people's affection and support after he retired. But he was a player that was such an appealing player... That if you watched him, especially if you're like my age, if you grew up watching him, you will always kind of root for him. Because when he took ball four, he would run to first base. And if you've never seen that before, you just can't grasp how much people liked him. But I didn't think of it. I will admit that was not the reason that I had Buster on. But it did get me to thinking. And, And Joe was not the only person who tweeted it, but it was the first one I saw. And it is an interesting thought. Like, the two aren't the same thing. Pete Rose wasn't thrown out of baseball forever for cheating. He was thrown out for gambling. And gambling is the first, last, and and most steadfast rule. And the fact that gambling is becoming increasingly legalized does not before. I will just cut you off before you even ask the question. No, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Legalized gambling does not mean it can or should be okay for players or managers to be involved in it. They have to be. In fact, it makes it all the more important that we keep them as far away from it as possible. So they aren't the same thing. But they are distantly related. It's like they're not siblings, but they're like second cousins once removed. I do understand the correlation. And it is an interesting question. And I do wonder if Pete Rose will ever be reinstated while he is alive. And there's still a part of me, despite all of my better judgment, that roots for that. We'll see if it happens. Meanwhile, let's get to the KOD picks. Huge weekend. Cliff, give me some music. Here we go. And give me my first game for Sunday. All right, I'm going to change my pick. <laughs> I'm allowed to do this. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. On Wednesdays is when I write up my picks piece that airs on Get Up. And here's what I said. I just dug it up so I could read to you verbatim what I said this morning. Indy and its old quarterback playing better and better, but this is a step up in class. Baltimore starts a strong second half with a statement, 30-17. to 17. That was my pick on TV this morning. And then I talked it over with Ryan Clark. Who reminded me of something he told me last week which is that when the Steelers and Ravens play each other they say this is a Thursday game not because it's being played on Thursday but because you feel it until Thursday and teams that play the Steelers in particular frequently play badly the following week because they are so beaten down by it and the Ravens coming off what was a deflating and difficult loss might be a little worn down the Colts are playing well I, I will stick with my pick of the Ravens to win, but I'm going to make it a much closer game—not not 30 to 17. Let's call it 30 to 27, which means depending on the line that you have, you may not want to give the points one way or another. I think that's one of the better games of the weekend. But I wanted to explain why I'm upgrade or I'm updating the pick. I hadn't thought of it. I think the Ravens are definitively the better team, but this might be a difficult spot for them coming off that tough game against the Steelers last week. Let me make it the Ravens by a field goal in a high-scoring game on Sunday. Cliff, give me the next game.
0: Bears and Titans. Well,
1: so this is an an enormous game, I think, for both teams. The Titans have to figure out how to get their mojo back. The Bears have to figure out if they ever really had any. And the Bears are starting to get dangerously close to being who we thought they were. Everyone was saying it's a mirage. They're doing it based on smoke and mirrors and a bunch of luck and a bad schedule and a bunch of other factors that have come together to have them artificially inflated to where they were 5-1, and one. well that feels like a long time ago. They now feel like a team that is on a, on a slide, on a skid, they're like rolling down a mountain and they can't stop themselves. And the NFC is loaded, look out west, there's a bunch of good teams out there, uh, New Orleans and Tampa are definitively both going to make the playoffs. I don't even think we've heard the last of Minnesota this year. So the Bears are by no means guaranteed of making the playoffs if they don't get this thing turned around. And they do it against a Titans team that two weeks ago, I do think there was a little bit of a hangover from that. We just talked about the game after the Steelers hangover. Maybe the Titans had a little of that in losing to the Bengals this past Sunday. Titans are good. They're physical. They do the things that I think the Bears will struggle with. They're just going to want to run it down your throat, not drop back and throw it 35 times and let Khalil Mack and those guys get all over the quarterback. I think it's a low-scoring game comparatively. I think the Titans win. I'll take Tennessee over the Bears 23-16. Cliff, next game.
0: Dolphins at Cardinals.
1: Well, this is the one that for me is worth the price of admission just to see the quarterbacks. Because Tua and Kyler, last time we saw them go head-to-head, was in the National Championship semifinals a couple of years ago. You might remember that game. Alabama jumped out to a huge lead against Oklahoma. Kyler Murray brought Oklahoma back a little in the second half. You never got the sense they were going to win that game. Tua's team was just much better than Murray's team. Now Tua has to prove that he belongs. Murray has proved it. Murray's excellent. I think the Cardinals are going to have a real shot to make the playoffs this year. How good is Tua going to be in his second start? They basically didn't need a quarterback last week the way their defense played against the Rams. I'm going to say Tua plays well. I think that Tua plays a good game, and I think this is a high-scoring game but I will still give the edge to the Cardinals because I have just that much more confidence in Murray to do it than Tua, who again, in fairness to him, is making just his second start. I'm excited for this game. I will take Arizona 26, Miami 24 in a good one in that late afternoon Sunday spot. Greeny on ESPN Radio. One more KOD pick. Let me hear it, Cliff.
0: Saints at Buccaneers.
1: The best game. This is the best game, obviously, in the biggest game of the weekend it's played. On Sunday night, they met week one. New Orleans won that game. So they could sweep the season series, and that would be a difference maker. But I will tell you right now, and I'm going to get a little more into it in a couple of minutes. The difference in this game is going to be Antonio Brown. Now, I know that Michael Thomas is supposed to come back, and Breeze is supposed to play. And the Saints have been kind of flying under the radar all year. Basically, since they lost Thomas and lost week two to the Raiders, we've almost forgotten about them. When we talk about the good teams of the NFC, they get left out of the conversation. They can play their way back into that this Sunday night. And maybe they will, but that's not what I expect. I think that the Buccaneers are going to be firing on all cylinders. I think that the Brown acquisition is going to be enormous. I think he will score a touchdown, and I think the Bucs will win decisively 36-23. Hashtag K-O-D. Those are my kiss of death picks for what should be a terrific weekend in the NFL coming up next. I'll look at the big college game this weekend, make a pick on that. Plus I will tell you what the biggest move that will be made this NFL offseason is going to be those and more on the way. As we wrap up for this week, it's greenie on ESPN radio.
4: Greenie, the podcast. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do.
3: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: Meanwhile, right now, Cliff, it is time for Making Moves. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. we going to know how you build a winning team by making moves like this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers bringing in Antonio Brown. You can dislike him. You can feel they shouldn't have brought him. And there is still a pending NFL investigation of some of the accused uh, activities that he's had off of the field. Those are for a different conversation. If indeed those come to pass, then, then that supersedes anything that happens in football. But speaking purely in a football perspective, the way you win championships is by making bold moves like this. Not by sitting around like the Packers and hoping that Aaron Rodgers can lift a bunch of mediocre players and make them look great. Instead, you're the Buccaneers. You already have an embarrassment of riches on offense, and you bring in Antonio Brown. And I think it's going to work, and I think it's going to start working immediately, here are the numbers for Antonio Brown that I'm projecting for Sunday night. Six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown for A.B. in his first game with the Bucks. And by the time we get to the end of the season, he will become their most dangerous weapon on a team that is loaded with them buck saints the best game of the weekend all right before i run i I wanted to tell you about this game of musical chairs at quarterback that we had on get up this morning because it was interesting a lot of speculation about whether or not jimmy garoppolo will be the quarterback in san francisco next year if he isn't it might be because they decide they're interested in matt ryan ryan had his best year when kyle shanahan was his offensive coordinator A couple years ago, he was the MVP of the league. Shanahan gets the San Francisco job. The Falcons are starting all over again. Ryan will be 36 next year, but has a lot left in the tank. He and the Falcons may decide mutually that it's best for him to go someplace else and that someplace might be San Francisco. That begat two fascinating thoughts on TV this morning. The first, from Rob Ninkovich. I asked him, well, if Garoppolo isn't in San Francisco, where does he go? Here's what he said.
3: I think he'll be a New England Patriot. and, And listen... I, when's the last time you've seen Bill Belichick walk up to the opposing team's quarterback after they lost 33-6 to and give him a little tap on the back and, and give him a handshake? I mean, I don't think I've seen that from any other quarterback that's ever beat the Patriots.
1: So that was Nikovich, who knows Bill as well as anybody can, played for him for years, saying he could see Bill wanting Jimmy G back in New England. Wouldn't that be a fascinating turn of events? Meanwhile, I brought it up to Mark Sanchez. Sanchez said he doesn't think Matt Ryan is the guy for San Francisco. Here's what he thinks they should do.
3: They're going to be able to get Sam Darnold. And, and hear me now. Hear me out. Mm. Sam's only going to get like three and a half million bucks next year from the Jets. Nobody's going to pick up his fifth year option because they've, this poor guy has been through it all over there. And they're not maximizing his potential. I think San Francisco sees that. I think they can see him in their system, and they don't have to get rid of Garoppolo at all. They can keep both of these guys and keep Sam Darnold there in a position where when he gets a chance to play, because Garoppolo's been injured so many times, he's going to get a shot to shine, and that might be a permanent home for him.
1: That's a really interesting one. You know, Sam Darnold is going to be one of the most interesting players to watch during this upcoming NFL offseason. I've already told you that I think the best landing spot for him would be Indianapolis. The question is going to be what he sort of brings back in a trade, because um, I don't think there's going to be a huge bidding war out there. But I will tell you again, those of you who listen to the show, you know what team I root for. And, you know, I'm not talking about the Jets anymore. They don't they don't deserve the time on these airwaves. They're an embarrassment in every way that you can be one. And the worst thing they've done is they have ruined that kid or at least in the eyes of many, they've ruined him. The idea that Sam Darnold is going to bring back a second-round pick, is, it's criminal because he has a ton of talent and is still incredibly young. So if he winds up in San Francisco with that coaching staff and that running game, and they have a year in which they aren't all sick of and, and hurt, and all of a sudden he's got born and IUK and, and, and they run the ball the way that, that that coach does, and the creativity of that offense, he could be phenomenal there. Phenomenal. And Indy is the other place where I think he could be phenomenal. Put together that talent that they have around him there, uh, that they would have around him there, you know, with the really good quarterback coaching that they get there from Frank Reich, that'll be interesting. But the game of musical chairs, Jimmy G back in New England, could be fascinating to watch. But before we get to any of that, we have a second half of this season to look forward to. And I'll say it again during what has obviously been a dramatic and tumultuous week in this country, to have these games to have the ability to sit back and, and for me to spend this time and, and for you to want to spend it with me, I know what it means. I know that it means you're just looking to get away from all of that and to spend some of our time thinking about this football. So let's just be grateful that we have it. I don't know exactly where it's all headed right now. The coronavirus is spreading out like crazy all over the place. Let's hope they can keep this thing going towards the finish line, but this should be a fabulous weekend. Tomorrow night, I have a feeling Clemson is going to win at Notre Dame. I'd love to see the Irish win that game. I just think it would make everything interesting, but I don't expect it. I expect Clemson to win tomorrow, but I'll certainly be looking forward to it. Hopefully, a Northwestern win early against Nebraska will start my day well. And then a full NFL Sunday slate and what should be a really good Week 9 of games this weekend so I hope that you all enjoy that have a safe and healthy and fun weekend try and get a little rest enjoy the sports and I'll see you back in better than ever right here on Monday Greeny with you on ESPN radio
0: thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast you can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon eastern on ESPN radio and on ESPN news and don't miss Greeny on get up every morning at 8 eastern on ESPN